Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. If you purchase supplies for a small to mid-sized business, Zorro.com, Z-O-R-O.com is your go-to resource. At Zorro, you'll find all the things that keep a business running, no matter what kind of business you're in. Zorro offers tools, safety equipment, cleaning, maintenance supplies, office and shipping, automotive, industrial equipment, and more, including the specialty items you can't find anywhere else. Whether you're shopping for an office, a factory, a contracting business, a machine shop, a sports talk radio show, you can get exactly what you need. And when you shop at Zorro, you'll find brands that you already know and trust, like 3M, Prestone, Stanley Black & Decker, Schneider Electronic, Rubbermaid, all all at competitive prices. And if you want fast, free shipping, it's yours when you spend $50 or more. And if you have a question, a return, or need help finding exactly the right item, count on Zorro's customer service team based right here in the United States. Visit Zorro.com slash Dan. That's Z-O-R-O dot com slash Dan. And sign up for Zmail and get 15% off your first order. Zorro.com. All you need to make your business go. Broadcasting from the Mercedes Man Cave. That's fertilizer. This is Dan Patrick. Welcome to the program. It's hour one on this Tuesday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Glad to have you on board. Dominique Wilkins will stop by. What advice would he give Aaron Gordon after losing yet another slam dunk contest? Neek lost to Michael Jordan, and he also lost to Spud Webb, his teammate. Dave Roberts, the Dodgers manager, certainly uh, some of his players have had some things to say about the Astros. We'll talk to the manager on how do you use this as motivation this year and at what point does the manager say to his players, enough, let's move ahead to 2020. Denny Hamlin won the Daytona 500 yesterday. He'll join us in about 15 minutes. We'll talk about those uh, that last lap and uh, Ryan Newman. Ryan Newman right now is uh, in stable condition not life-threatening injuries there, but uh, we'll keep an eye on that. But we'll talk to Denny Hamlin about that final lap as he ended up winning the race. And the thrill and the agony of racing was certainly on full display at the Daytona 500 yesterday. Hamlin won in a photo finish as he beat Ryan Blaney. But the victory quickly overshadowed by that terrible crash involving Ryan Newman on the final lap. For about two hours, we didn't know if Newman was going to survive. Then NASCAR announced that he was in serious condition, but his injuries were non-life-threatening. And of course, I couldn't help but think back to Dale Earnhardt's death. Same track, 2001. NASCAR has taken great strides to make their drivers safer, the tracks safer. But Monday is, you know, that was a stark reminder of just how dangerous this sport still is. It's not easy to feel what 200 miles per hour is like, unless you're there at the track. I mean, 200 miles, the way TV sort of sanitizes it and goes, oh, yeah, that that doesn't seem like it's that big a deal. Everybody's going 200 miles an hour. You know, that's why when you see Usain Bolt run and then you see somebody else run, you go, oh, so that's what it's like to be the fastest man in the world. 200 miles per hour when everybody else is going 200 miles per hour. It doesn't seem that fast. Hopefully, Ryan Newman makes a full recovery, and Monday's race serves as a reminder that what we're watching on the track is as serious as you can get in sports. Phone calls are always welcome, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. Got some Traeger Meat Friday songs for you coming up. Play of the day, stat of the day, and it's McLovin's duties to come up. I said duties. A poll question for us today. 
Okay, which way do you want to start? Go back to Astros. I know some people are getting a little tired of the Astros, but it's kind of fun. Joe Burrow, your friend, back in the news. See, now I got my my hometown's going to be mad at me again if I bring up what he said last night. I'm not the one saying it. Joe Burrow is the one who said he has leverage. Okay. You're the messenger. (laughs) I know, but they always shoot the messenger. All right, what do you have for me, McLovin? Let's start with Joe Burrow. If you were Joe Burrow, would you rather be drafted by the Bengals at number one or fall below number one and go to another team? Now, there's a chance that he could be traded out of that, too. But would you rather go, say, number five? I think I'd rather be number one and traded. I'm not giving you that option. Oh, okay. All yeah, right. I'll then right. take that one off. You say the Bengals are not going to do that. I'd rather go to a better team. Because he... I'm going to go down this road here again. The money is kind of similar here in the top five. I want to go to a better team. Deshaun Watson went to a better team. Patrick Mahomes went to a better team. Aaron Rodgers went to a better team. There's something to be said about going to the right team. Because you can go to a bad team and you end up playing poorly because it's a bad team. Uh, Joe Burrow was honored last night. He got the Davey O'Brien Award, and he was in Texas, and he was asked about the Bengals, and he said, basically, hey, I'm, I got a process I got to go through. They have a process they have to go through. There's no process for Joe Burrow. I mean, he has, he has no choice here. You show up for the draft, you don't have a process to go through here. The Bengals might. The Bengals might go, hey, what do we do with this pick? Do we really want Joe Burrow? What could we get for that pick? Joe Burrow's process is what? Unless it's using his leverage. So I keep coming back to that. Not because I want to. Joe Burrow keeps bringing me back to that. He's got a process, and he says that he's got leverage. That's what... I'll give you the exact quote here. McLevin, you're starting this off, and I didn't know I was going to start here. I'd like to know the question that he got, but Joe says, I do have leverage. He was, uh, this according to the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. This was during a reception. The Bengals have their process. I have my process. We haven't even gotten to the NFL Combine yet. There's a lot of things that happen leading up to the draft and a lot of information gathered. Is he talking about him? Or the Bengals, because what information can he get? And how does what does that matter if the Bengals are still going to take him number one? Unless he finds out, hey, this team is interested in me. Hey, I'd rather go to Carolina. But the Bengals, I understand they're doing their due diligence. They're 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 you know working with their process of you know, and even then. Are you sold on Joe Burrow? I assume you are. But if you're going to go through your process, okay, maybe there's a surprise in there. But Joe Burrow is the one keeping this, you know, in the headlines. When you say I have leverage, all I can think of is Eli Manning and John Elway. They had leverage. Yeah, Paul. Joe Burrow talked to a bunch of media outlets when he was down there at this reception. They had some media time with him. And they, he said uh, being the number one pick would be a dream come true. When the reporter asked the follow-up, asked if he wants to go to the city that currently holds the, holds the top pick, Cincinnati, he said, quote, I'd like to play football, so whoever takes me, I'm a ball player, I'm going to play. He was asked if he'd like to go to Cincinnati, and his answer was, I'd know, like to play I football. 
I mean, you go back to what he said to us at the Super Bowl, and we all immediately after he left, we went, he just said something's going to make headlines here. He, he's keeping it open. So therefore, if you keep it open, then everybody else is going to keep it open. And when you use the word leverage at the number one pick, how many guys have said who were going to be drafted number one to go, I got leverage? Just in recent memory, how many guys can you think of who said, yeah, I got leverage? I can't remember any of these guys. You know what you're going to make. You're already slotted there. And now all of a sudden he's saying he has leverage. Yes, he... It's like you go into any good faith conversation and some one side or the other uses the word leverage. Like, oh, okay, so yep. this isn't just like a good faith. You know, this is a negotiation then. It goes back to what I said about Jerry Jones with this silly Tom Brady to the Cowboys rumor. If anything, it was started by Jerry Jones just to create a little bit of leverage with Dak Prescott. I don't think there was any validity to that. I don't care what Michael Irvin says. By the way, people put out misinformation now about the draft. I mean, that's happening with Teddy Bridgewater right now. That somebody, according to Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, is putting out this Teddy Bridgewater wants $30 million a year. Not that he wants, that he does, that he's, the, teams the, want to give him $30 yeah. million. 30 is going to get you 24, I'm going to guess, with Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, this could be like Scott Boris always does this in baseball. Hey, he, he's going to get 400. We want 400. Well, 400 gets you, you know, 330. But, you know, this leverage that you have, I keep coming back to this, Bengal fans. And I, I know that you're, you got blinders on. I don't. I've been around to have remembered Elway, certainly with Eli. And when you say leverage, how many other guys who were going to be drafted number one use the word leverage? I can't remember anybody in recent memory. And maybe if somebody can remind me of that, I'll gladly mention it. But he keeps coming back to leverage. Yeah, McLevin. Remember when the contract was a negotiable, then players would yeah, play but games. This is slotted. Yeah. Yeah, Paulie. Well, Kyler Murray did this with a different sport, though. Yeah. He used baseball as his leverage with football and vice versa. He used football to try to get one more big offer out of the A's. And he did have leverage. He had two different choices. You know, Joe Burrow has to create leverage by getting a team interested, an interesting team to tr- trade up, which is if you look back at the story with Eli Manning, his dad and, and his agents, they, they concocted this to get the Giants to go. And, but they need another team to get involved here. It can't just be the Bengals aren't going to shop. They have to be broached. But the the misinformation that's out there or speculation that's out there, like Matthew Stafford, the Lions are going to trade him. Or Tom Brady is not going back to uh, the uh, the Patriots. It's just, there's it's a big game of chess. And all of these parts are the quarterbacks. You know, there's a king, that's Brady. You got a queen, you, you know, you got your pawns. We're probably the pawns. But there's this information that's out there. Joe Burrow is leaving it open to interpretation. For what reason? I don't know, because he could really close this. All he has to do is say, I'm going to Cincinnati if they want me. I want to go to Cincinnati. To be number one, to go to Ohio, back to Ohio, and play for the Bengals, that's what I want. What is your process that you're leaving that open for, unless there's the possibility you're not going to Cincinnati, or you don't want to go to Cincinnati? I don't make this up. I'm not reading into this, and I've been accused of it, but I'm not. I'm just pointing it out. I hope Joe Burrow, if he goes number one, goes to Cincinnati. They can use the help there. 
And if he goes there, it could be a great story. But I'm not naive. Joe Burrow keeps this in the headlines. Nobody else. He does. Yeah, Paul. How are we not including Fritzy on this? Fritzy is the king of the vague answer. Who wouldn't want to go to the Cincinnati Bengals? Exactly. <laughs> that, like, you asked Todd this question, he would give you the perfect Joe Burrow-esque answer. It's, it's a special opportunity to turn a franchise around if you would want to do something like that. Todd, do you want to go to the Bengals? i rather not go to the Bengals. Oh, okay. All but right. I do like the idea of being selected number one. Of course. Um, there is an upside to playing for the Bengals because you can be the hero that turns a franchise that's been a disaster around. But by the same token, you want to play for a respectable team that has a chance to uh, win now and not look horrible like Carson Palmer or other quarterbacks. Okay, all right. All right. The bit went too far. Todd finally had a chance to give a vague answer. I know. He's been for 20 years. And he says, I don't want to go to the Bengals. I know. He gives a definitive <laughs> answer. No. <laughs> but on the other time in his career. Who wouldn't want to go see Landon Donovan play in his last international game four miles from my house? Right across the street. Uh, this program brought to you by True Car. You can get an upfront price from a dealer online. You can search from over a million pre-owned vehicles with the new True Car. Buy smarter, drive happier. When you're ready to buy that newer used car, the internet can confuse you with vague pricing. Not anymore. Go to True Car to get a true price. What other poll questions you got, McLovin? All right, uh, I do have, and it doesn't have to be a poll question, but I'm curious where our guest today, Dominique Wilkins, falls on the all-time greatest dunkers list because he is way up there for me Okay, in my room. So who's the greatest dunker in the last 40 years? Neek, Jordan, Vince Carter, is Dr. J, who, you know, 40 years is 1980. Yeah. Anyone else on that list? Small list to me. Yeah, Paul. There's a caveat here. We're not saying dunk contest. We're saying in-game dunker because that's a different category. And Dominique is even worse top three. Yeah, he he was a vicious in-game dunker. He was that tomahawk. You 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 did not try to go up and block that. Neek was great in transition dunking. Great. I'd put him top three. Yeah, Todd. And where does human highlight film rank among the best nicknames in sports history? That's Pretty always good. something to have fun with. Yeah, I don't know who came up with that human highlight film. Maybe it's a columnist in it, like Furman Bisher, the longtime columnist, the Atlanta Constitution. But uh, Nick will join us in an hour. Yes, McLevin. You're not, so I feel like you're not that into Michael Jordan as a dunker because there was so much more. I feel like he was at, at actually even a better in-game dunker than Dominique. I, there was so much more about Jordan. Like he wasn't, I mean, he had some great in-game dunks, usually against the Knicks, but Mike, it felt like, would get a steal and go in for just a solo dunk, whereas Neek was in traffic and he was dunking. You know, Mike, after a while, stopped going to the hoop because he was getting the hell beat out of him. And I think that, you know, Air Jordan sort of came back down to earth. He developed that baseline, post-up move, fadeaway, but... You know, the Pistons, I think, were saying to Mike, if you're coming in here, you're going to leave with a bruise or two. What other poll questions do you have for me? Uh, by the way, Denny Hamlin will join us uh, coming up in about 10 minutes after uh, the Daytona 500. It was, it was incredible TV. I mean, if that, that's, and I'm glad, you know, Ryan Newman is now, he's in serious condition, still in the hospital, but that last lap, I mean, yeah, Denny Hamlin go from first to third to first in a span of about 20 seconds. And just the magnitude of that race, what's at stake, and everybody on that last lap. There's always crashes on the last lap 
Almost, almost every year, you just don't see them at the front. Usually they're at the back of the pack. Everybody is doing whatever it takes on the final lap. And, uh, you know, our good buddy, Denny Hamlin, wins his third, third Daytona 500. All right, McLovin, what else? Okay, Astros. A lot of player anger out there. I'm asking you a question. Okay. If you were a pitcher on an opposing team, would you throw at an Astros hit? Why is it now all of a sudden it's okay to throw at guys? Like, like now we've said, hey, I think it's cheap when you throw at somebody. Oh, you're throwing at the Astros. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't want you throwing at the Astros. What I'm concerned about is if I throw a pitch that is interpreted as I'm throwing inside – then that's not fair. I have the right to do that as a pitcher. And I think some pitchers are going to be unfairly blamed and maybe thrown out of a game or at least warned because they're going to throw inside. I don't, I don't, taking matters into your own hands, that doesn't, okay. I mean, in the moment, hey, I, I got him. I hit him. I don't know who cheated on the Astros. I mean, I, I'm not sure. Does it make a huge difference? Well, I don't want to be hitting some guy. It's like the guy who gets hit because the previous guy hit a home run. He didn't do anything wrong. But if you were there, I mean, okay. you're guilty. You got the team. Who is it? Correa said Altuve didn't cheat. First of all, I don't believe that. Second of all, I know. he's I, guilty I, by association. I know, but... So then I hit everybody? Yes. Yeah, right. Well, that's the thing. It's kind of everybody is guilty. Because you're telling me that there's like a handful of guys sitting at the end of the bench who are like, why is uh, Timmy whistling all the time? <laughs> oh, they know the pitches? Oh, don't do that for me. I just want to do it the right way. Okay, but if you know your teammates using <laughs> steroids, should you then come forward to say, you know, Jimmy's over there. He's all puffed up on steroids here. Like, I know you are you have to police your own clubhouse, and but... It feels like there are only a couple of guys cheating, and there are a lot of people who say, I should have done more to stop it. I'm not buying that, but like this, hey, I'm the sheriff. In t- I just can't believe that Justin Verlander, if he knew this was going on, and Brian McCann, these are veterans. These are guys who always have something to say about policing the game, that they couldn't walk into that locker room and go, guys, this is not going to continue. Yeah, see. That's what I love so much about that statement is I should have done more to stop it, which implies you did something <laughs> to try and stop it. And the rest, and the team was like, nope. That's what I want to know. If Justin Verlander said I should have done more, my question would have been, what did you do? A.J. Hinch, what did you do? I should have done more. I guess everybody should have done more. And there's some other things that I guess people don't realize about the commissioner, and, and he hasn't had a good week. But that's the nicest thing said about him on I'm, national I'm TV. Trying. That's the nicest thing I've heard about him this week. He did not have. He has a good not week. had that good of a week. He did not have a good week. He had an unprofessional year. But he, instead of devaluing the trophy, it's just a piece of metal, um, and the fact that these guys wear the uh, the scarlet letter that uh, you know look of shame for the rest of their lives. Those are stupid comments by him. He did talk about really the legalities here of what baseball didn't do prior to the uh, sign stealing. So they didn't even have something in place where the commissioner would say, hey, you guys knew about this rule. I mean, that's why Pete is gone forever, because there's a rule about gambling. And it's right there on a clubhouse wall. They didn't have that in place. Therefore, that's why there would have been so many grievances filed you know, baseball would have got, probably gotten roughed up here. And they wouldn't have been able to punish the players. 
Okay, if that's the case, take away the trophy. That punishes everybody, but you don't get into grievances. You don't get into the Players Association. You can punish everybody. And when you vacate, that doesn't mean you give. There are people in the media who say, well, if you vacate, who are you giving it to? Reggie Bush, that trophy didn't, you know, Vince Young didn't get the trophy. That's in a storage facility. If you vacate, that doesn't mean somebody gets something. You know, with Michigan's Fab Four, Fab Five, they vacated. They don't, they didn't go to somebody. Villanova had to vacate their runner-up in the national title game. It didn't go to somebody. You vacate. Leave it blank. Then it's a stark reminder of exactly what happened in 2017. Denny Hamlin, fresh off the win at Daytona. We'll get his thoughts. Uh, How far away he was from the accident with Ryan Newman because they're trying to celebrate a little bit and then they realize, and they're probably a mile and a half away, to understand the magnitude of how big that track is with where they were. And then once they found out the serious nature of Ryan Newman's accident, that's when they tamped down their celebration. So we'll talk to Denny Hamlin about the final lap there at Daytona. Dominique Wilkins later on and the Dodgers manager, Dave Roberts. Just getting started, 21 after the hour here. This is the Dan Patrick Show. If you have a lot of student loan debt, and I know a lot of you really do, uh, I need to tell you about this company. It's called Credible.com. Credible.com is an online marketplace that gets you pre-qualified student loan refinancing rates from up to 10 different lenders. And so they're basically this great company. They're helping people get out of student loan debt. And if you've got student loan debt, you could really benefit from going to Credible.com. With a lower rate, you can save on interest. You can lower your monthly payment. And with a shorter loan term, you can get debt-free faster. Consolidate all your student loan bills in one place. And it's just this incredible peace of mind that you sorely need. Credible customers have given awesome reviews about how much better their lives have been since refinancing their student loans. On Credible, you see actual pre-qualified rates from up to 10 lenders, and it only takes a couple of minutes to check the rates. So go to Credible.com slash Dan. That's Credible, C-R-E-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash Dan. And when you refinance your student loans via Credible, they'll give you a $200 gift card. Just fill in a couple of pieces of info to check what rates you're eligible for. Again, that is Credible.com slash Dan. Refinance your student loans and start saving. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Once again, it's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. Geico.com. Go to rockauto.com. All the parts your car or truck will ever need. Rockauto.com, a family business. They started this back in 1999, and it was founded by automotive engineers. They had two goals in mind, and pretty simple. Uh, Give you direct access to all the parts information hidden in the computers and catalogs behind the parts store counter. And second, make those parts affordable by offering reliably low prices. At rockauto.com, you can choose your part brands, prices, and features anytime you want, 24-7. They're there for you. If you've been told dealer only or no longer available, think again, rockauto.com. You don't waste time phoning, driving, waiting in lines. Go to rockauto.com today. Make sure you uh, tell them we sent you. Right, Dan Patrick, and how did you hear about us? 
box that they have there. Check out all the parts, your car, truck, whoever you need at rockauto.com. All right, so what's the poll question we're going to go with? And we'll get to Denny Hamlin. I would put up, to be honest, if I was an opposing pitcher, would I throw at the Astros? Because I think the audience feels differently than you. I think they would. Okay. We'll try that. We'll see. All right. Once again, uh, Ryan Newman is uh, in stable condition, still in the hospital, uh, not life-threatening injuries in that final lap at Daytona. Denny Hamlin won his third Daytona, and uh, he joins us on the program. Denny, congratulations. Take me through the last two laps of yesterday. Yeah, just uh, for me, is kind of crazy. But uh, we were, uh, you know, obviously leading, uh, coming with two to go, and then we. Uh, I'm, I'm trying my best to stay in front of those guys, but I knew that you know I had seven Fords, I think, lined up uh, behind us, and uh, you know, were the only Toyota at that point. And I knew that they would be coming with a run. So uh, off of turn two, I, he told me that the uh, the guys were two, both Ryan's were two lengths back and I knew at that point I was probably too far ahead uh so I kind of relinquished the spot I didn't want to try to throw a block and end up getting us crashed on the back stretch so uh those guys got beside me and they got past me and uh I linked up on the back bumper of the of, of Blaney and uh I knew my best shot was to kind of push him uh towards the lead and just kind of see what happens and and when those guys head down hit you know came off turn four and went towards the yellow line um, you know, I, I knew that there was going to be contact, so I tried to stay as far right as I could uh, away from him. But uh, I saw Ryan Newman's car turn right, right in front of me. And uh, as soon as that happened, I saw Blaney's car, and I went down and side drafted him and got that lunge right at the start finish line, just uh, just enough to win it all again. Felt like he had to go to to third to get back to first. Yeah, I mean, I thought that you know, I had an opportunity to stay next to Ryan down the backstretch, but uh, Blaney, but I knew that if we were going to be side by side, then, then the race was over for me. So my best option really was to kind of push him back towards the lead. Um, and then hopefully either they get together or I can go three wide uh, at the start finish line. So um, I knew my best opportunity was to check up into turn three, get to Blaney's back bumper and push him, uh, towards Newman. When did you realize you had won? Yeah, right when I crossed the line. I mean, I, I'd been in a photo finish there in 2016, which is the, the closest finish in history, and I think this one was now the second. Um, so I, I'd been in that position before, and I knew that uh, I was I was just far enough ahead uh, to, to beat him. But um, it, it's crazy because, you know, it's just a, you know, 100 or 200 yards before the start finish line, we were, you know, about third place, and uh, we, we just uh, – somehow made it up up uh, up there and won the race and you know it was very unexpected especially after that you know going down the back stretch in the final lap when I go back to third I just thought that the, the race was over but we just uh, kept digging when did you realize something was uh, up serious uh, serious nature with Ryan Newman yeah I mean I didn't know anything um until I got in victory lane um not until uh you know I, that when they called off the interview at the start finish line um, they, uh, I, I knew that something was up at that point. Um, so I drove in to Victor Lane and they said, you know, uh, you know, there was a serious uh, injury with Ryan. I hadn't seen it yet. So I, I saw the camera person there and they had the monitor, uh, and they were replaying it. And I, and I watched it back then. I was like, wow, this is definitely serious. And so, uh, it was, you know, a bit of a quiet 
victory lane, I guess you could say. You know, there wasn't, you know, because there was a lot of speculation, a lot of, you know, not uh, questions that, that people didn't know. And um, But uh, luckily we got some better news later on that evening. But I thought that your owner, Joe Gibbs, and you both handled it. Uh, I mean, you guys knew that there was something serious. Even when you got out of the car, you're basically saying, hey, you know what, we won, I'm happy, but... You know, I don't know what just happened to this driver. And even with, uh, you know, Joe Gibbs saying basically the same thing, like it was a, a muted celebration by your team. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it has to be right. I mean, it, it, you think about, you know, someone's well-being or someone's health is obviously way more important than, you know, any sporting events you could you could win. You know, we're out there for entertainment purposes, right? I mean, uh, you know, Ryan's got two two daughters and i've got two daughters myself and so um you definitely can relate and and you definitely think about you know them and their family during that time and you know just from my perspective i mean we still haven't celebrated you know it's still this is going to take you know time to kind of um think about and reflect on in, in the next few weeks i don't think people understand the magnitude of that track though denny because the feeling I got reading some social media is how are you celebrating with a wreck? You're probably a mile and a half away from where Ryan Newman's car is, I guess. Give, give people a perspective of where victory lane is with where Ryan's car was. Yeah. And even the start finish line, you know, they, they were off towards uh, kind of between the start finish line and turn one. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. There's, there's wrecks at the end of these races nearly every single time. Um, so there's this definitely not out of the ordinary, um, but simply when when we went to the start finish line and they the the TV uh, personality came up and said that no interview here, I, I thought something was up. And then when we went to Victory Lane and uh, NASCAR official came and, and talked to me real quick, uh, that's when I knew that like hey, uh, actually told the guys like stop don't throw any more Gatorade, you know, uh, that he's seriously hurt. And everyone at that point just kind of settled down. So, um, you know, it's just, it's so far away. And like I said, this track is two and a half miles in length. So, um, yeah, you can be um, what you would think is close proximity and you're, you're a mile away. If I would have told you 10 years ago, you'd have three Daytona 500s. What would you have said? <laughs> uh, when am I going to start winning? <laughs> it's, <laughs> I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, to have the run we've been on in the last five years to win three of them has been uh, incredible. And we've just, uh, you know, I definitely feel like I've I've gotten better at those types of, of races. They are different than, than what we run on, on a weekly basis. But, um, it, you know, we've just kind of gotten a knack for it. And it's it, things have, the results have showed all the work that we've put into it. So, I won them several different ways. Like I said, you know, part of the two closest finishes in history. But uh, I tell you, it's uh, it's an amazing run that we're on right now. You know, it's strange though when I'm watching this in real time and I I see the crack. We're so used to you guys just getting out of a car. Like, remember yeah. what Clint Boyer with what happened to him, and then he, he cars on fire. He puts his he take gets out, takes his gloves off, and a couple of years ago, and just throws them in the car like. We're just so used to you guys being indestructible with these cars, with the tracks, with the walls here. And I think that was what was shocking. You just kept going, wait, he's not getting out. He's got to get out. And uh, then then the, then the serious nature really set in. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's something that 
sometimes we do take for granted uh, because, you know, the cars are, and all the equipment that we that we wear has the innovations and the safety advancements have, have come so far. But when you forget that I mean, we are going 200 miles an hour and, and any time a car can turn up on its roof like that, that's an opportunity for another car to drive right into it. That's kind of what happened. So uh, it was definitely a worst case scenario. Um, you know, that's probably the, the weakest part of the car. The most exposed is right there through the roof or, or um, through the you know driver's side window net. But, um, you know, luckily we got, you know, like I say, that, you know, much better and, and encouraging news uh, that uh, we think is going to be okay. Well, congrats, Denny. I know that that'll get lost in it. And uh, obviously Ryan's health is uh, paramount here, but uh, I thought you and Coach Gibbs and your team handled it extremely well. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you, Denny. Yep, thanks, Dan. Denny Hamlin, winner of the Daytona 500. Once again, Ryan Newman, non-life-threatening injuries, but uh, still listed in uh, serious but stable condition in the hospital. You know, when they got to the point where they weren't showing the car, they were interviewing drivers. And then I couldn't help but think back to Dale Earnhardt because after a while, those on the scene knew that Dale was dead. And they bring out the black tarp. And once you bring out the black tarp, that's where you're trying to protect everybody watching of what's going to happen when you take the driver out of the car. And I just, I, I couldn't help but think of, and Dale Jr. was there. And like, I, I, you know, there's just so many emotions that went through in a, in a span of about 10 minutes. Yes. He, so the car that hit Newman is uh, Ryan Blaney. Yeah. No, no, no. The one who hit him after the flip. Oh, okay. The, uh, the, the one, so no, the one that tapped him that caused him to flip out. Correct. That's the one that I'm referring to, yeah. not the one that then, again, the second sort of hit. He and Blaney were locked up, and then they, they spun, uh, Newman went up into the wall. That's just part of racing. I'm going to guess it is, especially on the last lap. That, that, that's what... I mean, you're trying to win. Yeah. And you know, I thought it was interesting, too, that Denny Hamlin said, um, like, there's, I knew there was seven Dodges behind me and no Toyotas. Yeah. Right, so that so he's just saying he knew that he had no teammates. Yeah. Everybody was trying to beat him there. Yeah. Nobody was going to work with him. Ford was all that that was a collaborative effort there of you were trying to get somebody on your team to win. Right. It's a collaborative effort until the last 10 seconds of the race yeah. when Blaney and Newman one of them is going to go past the other one and they got a little loose together but then they the second hit was the one that really damaged his car cuz when he goes airborne the top of the car and the driver's side got hit full blast. And that's where his car really got damaged inside. And then you started to see the gas leak out, and then you saw the fire there. And it felt like and it's an eternity with you know the, the paramedics, uh, the EMS, you know, fire trucks to get there. I know that they're there in a matter of seconds. You know, those are people who are prepared to do this. And there's a hospital right next door, basically on the grounds of Daytona. And, and you could take him there in, in a matter of a couple of minutes there. But... Uh, you know, back in 2001, Michael Waltrip won that race, that last lap, that uh, the crash that claimed the life of uh, Dale Earnhardt. And Michael Waltrip was celebrating as well. People didn't know, like Dale Earnhardt doesn't die on the track. Like Michael Waltrip's probably thinking, if you look at that crash, you're going, it looks sort of benign. Doesn't look, tra- like Ryan Newman's look horrible. But we've gotten so accustomed to seeing these crashes. You know, you got the Hans device, the soft walls there, and these guys, you know, feel like they're indestructible. And I just kept saying, get out of the car, get out of the car, get out of the car. And then you see the fire there and then the gas. And I go, get, 
Get him out of the car. Get out of the car. Yeah, Paul. And Daytona is notorious for wrecks, especially in the last 20 laps. I think there was four wrecks in the last 15 laps of the race, and they were hard wrecks. There was other ones as well. Yeah. 19 years ago today, Dale Earnhardt died. Take a break. Play the day up next. Everyone knows that finding qualified candidates when you're hiring is a very difficult job. But I'll tell you right now, ZipRecruiter makes it a lot easier. Let's talk about Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow her education tech company. But then she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. And you too can sign up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Dan Patrick. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Dan Patrick. With results like that, it's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. ZipRecruiter is definitely the smartest way to hire. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Dan Patrick. Again, if you want to hire smart, qualified people, you have to go to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-N-P-A-T-R-I-C-K. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Dan Patrick. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Once again, it's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. GEICO.com. Hey, listeners, just wanted to take a minute to thank all our great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting this podcast. We certainly couldn't do it without either of you. And I wanted to remind you that you can support our sponsors by going to our show page at podcastone.com, clicking on the support this podcast button, and there you will see all our wonderful sponsors that help make this show possible. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and of course, supporting. And now back to the show. Oh, my God. The play. The play. Of the day. This is the play of the day. Check this out. Boy, Mooney was open in the lane. Hub couldn't get it to him. Mooney trying to go to work. Mooney with the left. Tough shot. Fluger, a huge rebound. Lashevsky for the lead. Got it! With 1.8 to go! Courtesy of the mothership. That's, uh, is that flogging Molly? Nice. I th- I'm going to have to check the pronunciation on that. Flogging Molly. A good band. North Carolina loses again. North Carolina is 10-16. and 16. They've all but locked up their first losing season since 2001. they got five games left to play in the regular season. And then you'll have the uh, conference tournament coming up as well. Play of the Day brought to you by Tacovas. Gentlemen, listen up. Tacovas Boots. Handmade, full-grain leathers by world-class bootmakers. Tacovas cuts out the middlemen, sells directly to you at amazing prices. Shipping returns, exchange is free and easy. Visit tacovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, slash D-P. Tacovas Western Goods for new frontiers. Robert in California has been holding. What do you have for me, Robert? Hi, Dan. Hey, bud. Uh, 58205. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm of the belief that uh, Manfred should have punished the players. Uh, I think that it would have forced certain Astros players to come out and say that they weren't a part of the cheating scandal, and it would have forced others to file a grievance, and I don't think they would want the bad press. Uh, I don't think they want people to know that they're saying, you know, well, there's no rules against it. 
So was it cheating? And I just don't think that they would put up a protest. I think they would have taken the punishment that Manfred uh, gave them. I think he uh, misread this from start to finish, but thank you, Robert. Look, I understand it, especially if you're a Dodger fan or a Yankee fan. At some point, what do you want out of this? Like, what's going to satisfy you? Nothing. You take away the title, you're not getting it. What's going to satisfy you? You don't like it? You know, if I'm the commissioner, and commissioner can be, you know, railing on the media, but he should be listening to some of his players, including Mike Trout. Mike Trout doesn't make headlines with anything he ever says. And he made headlines yesterday. Because Mike Trout was talking about how he was upset about this. Here's Mike Trout yesterday. I don't agree with the the punishments. You know, the player's not, uh, you know, getting anything. You know, there was a player-driven, you know, thing. It sucks, too, because, you know, like you said, a guy's career's been affected. Uh, a lot of people, you know, lost jobs. It's, it's, uh, it was tough. That's a tirade for Mike Trout. Anybody else that's just comments, that's a tirade for him. Oh, my God, did you hear what Mike Trout had? That's basically what the commissioner's reaction should be. Mike Trout, the best player in the game, had that to say. Justin Turner, the Dodgers, did not mince words with the commissioner. Calling the World Series trophy a piece of metal. Uh, I mean, I don't know if the commissioner's ever won anything in his life. Maybe he hasn't, but the reason every guy is in this room, the reason every guy is you know, working out all offseason and showing up to camp early and putting in all the time and effort is specifically for that trophy, which, by the way, is called the commissioner's trophy. So for him to devalue it the way he did yesterday is, is just tells me how out of touch he is with, with the players in this game. And, you know, at this point, the only thing devaluing that trophy is that it says commissioner on it. Yeah, those are, those are smart comments, though. I mean, really, what he's saying is, wait, it's just a piece of metal? Um, it feels like it means a lot. But maybe it doesn't, Commissioner. That's a pretty good burn by Justin Turner there. Yes, he. Well, I wonder if there's sort of a behind-the-scenes problem with athletes in general who their league is run by people who didn't play. Um, hmm. I mean, I at a certain point, don't you feel like if you were... Um, excuse me. You're an elite athlete, Absolutely. obviously. Used to um, be. You, yeah. Used to be. So don't you think you'd be kind of like, well, what do these lawyers know? They never competed for anything. Yeah, I did. I've, I... Never approached it from that angle. Because that's what that clip said to me. Like, dude, you never played, so stop. I could understand why Justin Turner would say that. That Okay, wait. So that thing's just a piece of metal. So the paycheck I get is just a piece of paper. Like if you, you know, we're dealing with silly analogies, but that's what it is. Hey, it's just a piece of paper. Well, it's valuable. It's my paycheck. That's just a piece of metal. Well, it is a World Series trophy there. This is what I saw on The Athletic today. And the reason why the Astros players were not punished, or at least one of the reasons why. Baseball would have been smoked, in the words of an official with knowledge of these matters. The Astro players would have prompted, um, you know, the punishments would have prompted grievances and wound up before an arbitrator. And baseball would have been, uh, they would have looked like fools. And the reason being, according to The Athletic, In labor relations, the concept of giving notice is hugely important. Management must clearly lay out how the workplace is to be run. That means providing both notice of the rules and notice of what type of punishment will follow if those rules are broken. Baseball had not worked out the right to punish anyone 
with the Major League Baseball Players Association, although that may change for the 2020 season. It should change for the 2020 season. Uh, A relevant detail, according to The Athletic, uh, the Astros investigation also would have made a grievance difficult because the general manager, Jeff Lunau, who got fired, did not pass on the league's sign-stealing rules to the dugout, failing in the act of giving notice. One Astro player said to a member of the media yesterday, when's this going to stop? It's not going to stop this year. And it may never stop. It'll always be there. Whenever somebody brings up the 2017 Astros, it's coming back up. When El Tuve is up for the Hall of Fame, it's coming back up. Verlander up for the Hall of Fame might come back up again. It's going to be there, whether you like it or not. And and remember, that's supposed to be the punishment. Commissioner told us that. Hey, they got to live with this. Okay. And the analogy I used yesterday, I'm a bank robber. I robbed a bank. I got caught, but I get to keep the money. And my picture's in the paper, and that should be enough to punish you. That's what we have here. I just can't imagine that there's only a couple of Houston Astros players who are involved in this. But it's starting to feel like everybody's saying, he didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't need to do it. I didn't want to do it. Okay. So those pitchers, like those pitchers didn't go, you know what? I'd hate if somebody was doing that to me. Although those pitchers probably got the benefit of a bigger lead. Like, uh, hey, you know, I could use five runs today, guys. How about that? I'm going against Max Scherzer or somebody. Can you load me up a little bit there? I love to hear whistling. Oh, boy. What's the results of the poll question there, McLovin? Would you throw at an Astros batter if you were an opposing pitcher? 81% say yes. Yeah. Well, what if you hit him in the back? I mean, maybe yeah, you, well, you're going to get run. I like how the commissioner now comes out and basically saying, hey, let's protect these guys who cheated. Hey, don't harm them. Man. Mixed messages. What do you tell your team if you're Dave Roberts, the Dodgers? We'll talk to him coming up. Also, Dominique Wilkins, the great dunker of all time. He'll join us coming up as well. Podcast One has some exciting news. It's official. Our shows are now available on Spotify. And it's free. We want to make it super easy for you and your friends to listen to our podcasts. And joining Spotify allows us to be in even more places for fans to find us. If you're already listening to music on Spotify, you can now listen to our podcasts in the same place. If you're not on Spotify yet, all you have to do is download the free app. That's right. No credit card necessary. And simply search for our shows to start listening. 